Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the Alien RPG rules by Free League Publishing. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to languages for all ages, listeners should know that the Alien setting can include strong violence and gore. And now, on to the show. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am normally your keeper or handler, Michael Diamond, but today I'm going to be sitting in the chair, the game mother chair, as we're going to roll out a little bit of Alien for you, the listener. Uh, so first at the top of the show, let me thank you, the listener, and especially you, the Patreon supporter. If you'd like to see what we have to offer on Patreon, you can at patreon.com slash the Old Ways Podcast. We encourage you also to go over to at the Old Ways Podcast and subscribe to us on YouTube. We're trying to make a push for a thousand subscribers to our YouTube channel, and every single one of you helps a ton. There's a big gift to give away at a thousand too, and I'm really eager to do so. So help us out, and uh, maybe it can be you. As for now, I will defer to my cast for introductions. We will begin to my right. Hi, I'm Rena. they, them, and uh, tonight I will be playing the company man, Klaus Wagner, he, him, and uh, everything's fine. We're all here for the good of the company and the good of mankind. It will all be good. You will all survive this. I guarantee. Oh, it's a, it's a very uh, out of the gate, a guarantee. I also like how the, you stated that we're all here for the good of the company first, which sort of just really spells out exactly really who you are. Uh, <laughs> to uh, Klaus's right. Hello, I am Rosie Regular Size Mom, and tonight I am playing for you Jackie Robertson, the lead mechanic and roughneck of our party. And as soon as she hears anything about the good of the company coming out of our company man's mouth, hairs on the back of her neck stand up and she has to throw some salt over her shoulder or something. Not planning on making it out alive at this point. At least maybe she can outrun the bear, uh, leave someone else behind to. It already sounds awful. It does. If nothing else, you can get the uh, company man a little greasy, perhaps, and bring him down to earth. Uh, so at our veritable end of the table. Hi, this is John. I'll be playing Heath Hobbs, Deputy Marshal, and not all round fuck up, despite what you may have heard. I don't know. I've heard a few things already, Deputy. Yeah, the, the paperwork on that last thing is really, uh, that, that trial is really kicking my ass. But, you know, I'm going to come back strong and uh, I'll show them all who's boss. You will. And last, but most certainly not least. Hello, hello. My name is Gilbert Ramos, uh, a.k.a. Ramos the Nomad. Uh, today I will be playing uh, Roberto Jimenez, uh, pilot extraordinaire. Uh, so we're going to raise the curtain in sort of an interesting space. And I say space because that's sort of where this is going to take place at. The characters, the collective group itself, finds their living space on a place called Roanoke Station. It's a fairly quiet Siegsong space station, which is nearly forgotten out in the wide frontier. They've been here for a varying amount of time, probably between six to nine months. They've had the opportunity to get to know the station, to do some work out here. And for the most part, what Roanoke Station serves as is a waypoint for some of the more outer frontier spaces uh, and excavations. 
There's a lot of places, a lot of ships that pass by that stop at Roanoke Station before heading to a plan to do mining or to do other types of scouting missions for companies or for potentially for uh, other governments. So we'll sort of open our camera lens on the promenade of Roanoke Station. So the promenade is a place where the majority of folks spend their free time. There's a bar, there's a store, there's a sea song store, so specific goods for the company. Uh, but most of your time is spent in and out of the cantina. And that's really because it's the main entertainment portion of what the station has to offer. It's not a huge station. So as far as complete complement for crew, it's probably 20 to 25 people. Although the station can hold more the past few months, and this is really something that Jimenez would know, there haven't been as many trips being made out here. You've seen fewer and fewer ships in the past few months. And there's some concern, and this is probably more towards something that um, Klaus would know. The company is a little concerned about the longevity of the station and its viability. And so part of your role might be seen by others as a sort of um, inspector, making sure that um, the company's money is being spent in the right spot. So we'll just open uh, on the cantina and uh, there's music playing, there's people drinking, there's a few other folks that are in and around the space too. And the group is probably not all cluttered together, I wouldn't imagine. I can imagine Jackie and probably Roberto seeing a lot of eye to eye. They're, they're both sort of on the same level. And then I also imagine Hobbs in the corner, probably drinking by himself, maybe talking to the bartender about you know, the next thing that's happening. But we'll raise curtain there and then just feel free to interact as we go. Klaus is sitting at a table having a drink and uh, he, he likes to think of himself as the just sort of everyone's friend. And uh, anyone who feels like they need to, to raise an issue or even just talk about their lives can just come and have a chat. He's, he's very approachable or so he thinks. Klaus wears, as always, a nice dark suit. That is the one thing he cares about. Even on a remote station like this, he is always well put together, well dressed. He brought several suits with him as his personal allotment, and that's about all he brought, other than his Rolex, which is displayed very ostentatiously every time he adjusts his sleeve. Maybe that's a, a nervous tick that you've developed to sort of continually check your wrist to make sure that it's in pristine condition. And that it's still there. You never know with the Marines. Listen, hazard pay is hazard pay. So uh, the the bartender moves down from the... He was. It seems like he was talking to Hobbs about something. He moves down to the center towards you, Jackie, and uh, he sets a, a another bottle on the, on the bar itself and says, uh, how's things down to maintenance? I mean, they're going. We had to clean out a couple of the vents, but, you know, that... Stuff gets jammed. It, it looks like someone might be shoving paper in there, which is a stupid prank, but it's okay. He sort of eyes around the bar a little bit and says, uh, the station doctor here is, uh, she's known to be a little um, loose with her paperwork. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm just saying, if you're looking at someone to blame, 
there's there's an easy target. I'll remember that. Thank you. Um, there's an intercom signal that goes off sort of nearby. There's one fairly close to the bar, um, and you hear the station director's voice over it. It's His name is Sven. And he says, Hobbs, are you down there? Uh, and Hobbs, like, leans forward across the bar, lifts this the handpiece off, and he's just like, Hobbs here, on patrol. What can I do for you, Sven? On patrol in the bar, huh? Yep. Making sure nobody causes any trouble. Sure, sure. Listen, uh, I think there's a situation... We need to talk. All right. I, uh, your office? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll make my way there. Should be no more than, depends if the car is working. Yeah, it shouldn't be long. Good. So a couple minutes pass. Uh, Hobbs leaves. And uh, as he does, he heads into the lift to, to head up, clearly up, because he's big huge arrow gets illuminated over the elevator so there's no secret when people travel which where which way they're going you hear a distinct those of you still in the canteen you hear a distinct static that sort of runs its way over the audio in here as it interrupts the music um, the lights flicker a little bit and then after a moment things seem to clear up I think that's my cue to check something out and uh, Jackie finishes her drink Puts it down a little hard and uh, gets up, adjusts her tool belt and heads out to figure out what's up with the lights. That's a good question. We appreciate your dedication to your work, Jackie. Thank you for keeping our station running and the company from losing money. I appreciate the polish you keep on those shoes. He brightens up as if happy that someone noticed how well polished his shoes are. (laughs) He spent 30 minutes on them this morning. So, Hobbs, you get up to Sven's office, and what he has on his screen, one of his main screens, is uh, a readout, sort of tinted, dingy yellow readout of a ship. And he says, uh, looks like we got a distress signal coming in from uh, a ship passed through here a few weeks ago. One of the regulars or uh, one of the exploratory crews? Yeah, it's a... uh, transponder signal from a, a, a survey vessel called the Midas. Now, uh, the Midas passed through here a couple of weeks ago, and then again beforehand uh, a couple of months back, but uh, it's supposed to be exploring and, and going out and doing surveys and gathering up basically rock samples. But the ship's uh, sending out a distress signal, and this, he points on screen, it's something that you've Seen a couple of times, at least nothing, if nothing else, in reports, you see that their disaster beacon is pinging. Oh, shit. How long has it been going? How long have we... We just started getting the signal. We're going to need to get some people together to figure out what's going on with that ship. You want me to form a posse? I do, but I want you to keep it quiet. Nobody likes hearing about disaster beacons. Pick the right people. Yeah, sure. The bison's down in dock. Hobbs, you would know that the bison is sort of a, a ship that Roanoke Station would use to go out and um, as an emergency vessel, um, but it can dock with the Midas. It's sort of your ship, even though you have no freaking idea how to pilot it, but it's your ship. I mean, I'm the station person of responsibility. Yeah, collect your group and then come and see me before you leave. Sounds good. 
Anyone I gotta take? Any? Well, listen, Deputy, you're a shit pilot. We all know that. You better take somebody who knows how to fly. We all have our skills in life. Piloting is not one of mine. I'll pick up uh, Lincoln Jimenez. He's a he's a good good sort. Hmm. Hmm. Kind of wish you shut the fuck up, but you know. And I suggest you take a attack from downstairs. One of the roughnecks. Somebody's gonna have to know how to fix whatever's wrong with the Midas. Thinking Robertson. Uh, I know she's kind of indispensable to you, Sven, but she's also one of the best we got. So, if you take her, you have to bring her back. That's the rule. I intend to bring her back because. I owe her beer money. Not something that I'd like to be a part of. Yeah, no, it's not great. All right. Uh, you're going to tell me that I got to bring someone corporate? I'm not going to tell you that, but I'll tell you this. You know as well as I do that what will happen is that this little message will get around to people and you'll have Klaus Wagner on your heels wanting to know what happened to the Midas because it's company property. And he just closes his eyes, takes a deep breath, sighs so heavily that his, like, greasy, curly black hair just kind of wobbles. (laughs) And he's just like, I'll bring Wagner along. It'll be great if we get, if we approach him rather than him approaching us. There's ways the company works. It's better to involve them than have them decide to be involved. And it gets us some degree of autonomy here on Roanoke. Don't worry, we've had this conversation before. All right, I'll start with Wagner and then I'll get the rest. All right, deputy. All righty. Sven, always a pleasure. I'll, uh, I'll send you a ping when I got when I got them all together. Good. And yeah, he's just going to turn, walk out of the office, starting to light a cigarette. So I want to step over and look and look in on what the, our, our resident roughneck is doing. You went to go investigate an electrical issue. Yes. Okay. So with the electrical issue, what's your, yeah, what what are your mechanical skills at this point? I have a three in heavy machinery and my ComTech is attached to my wits. So that's a two. Okay. So you have been chasing power problems on this station ever since they put in the, they put in that add-on in the basement. So in the sub-basement of this sub-level of this station, there is a power distribution area and there is this sort of mainframe that's been added on to Roanoke Station called Apollo. And Apollo has caused a few problems here and there. It's mostly because it's pretty power greedy. Basically, you have been not in charge, but sort of in charge of making sure that Apollo's power needs are met. And that also means that a lot of electrical rerouting and basically electrical fuse boxes, surge protection along the way is done. And every once in a while, you tend to think that um, Apollo gets a little hungry and other portions of the station suffer. You tried explaining this before to corporate, but they don't really listen. They're much more interested in having Apollo run. Yeah, it's all capital letters. And uh, Jackie has a lot of personal jokes about what all of those letters stand for and none of them are polite <laughs> okay yeah so if you give me we'll say a comtech role we'll see what you can make from this and then by this time as after this resolution we'll get to 
Hobbs's terrible, terrible journey? Absolutely nothing. Ooh. Yeah, so the biggest problem you're, you're having, the biggest problem with determining it is all of this electrical was recently redone like within the past six months. It's all been redone. It's all been shunted. It's all been regulated and metered. It shouldn't be having this issue. You shouldn't be getting noise or power drops on the promenade. You know the promenade draws a shitload of power, but it shouldn't be happening anymore. Did the working Joes do this work? Like, who did it? Well, some of them, yes. Clearly, you've you've had to rely on some of the working Joes just because you only have so many hands. She grumbles and keeps walking along all of the wires to double check them, but she feels her confidence plummeting. Okay. Deputy, you return to the cantina as uh, some of the folks here looking for her right here. Sure are. The worst one's right there. Yeah, he's just gonna take in the room, almost like he wasn't just here 10, 20 minutes ago, and just saunter over to Wagner's table, and he's just like, Klaus? Heath, or should I call you deputy? I always forget. Pleasure to see you. I prefer deputy, as I've told you several times. Hmm, you know, you might change your mind. Depends on what you've been drinking during the day, but have a seat. That was a one-time thing, Klaus. I swear to God. That's not what you said the next morning, but okay. No, you were very tender as a lover. No, I am here on business. I don't got time to sit. I, uh, putting together a posse. It's company business. Klaus perks up. And he just kind of lets that one sit. <laughs> He's like, so we got to get a couple of folks. Uh, you, company representative, me, station representative. Uh, we need a pilot for Bison, and uh, you'll need... Mm, you know, someone actually competent just to know what the hell is going on. Robertson would be my suggestion. Personal preference. And I'm going to, and he just walks over and puts a hand on him and his shoulder. And he's like, hey, kid, I'm going going out and I need a pilot. And uh, I know that you don't abuse methamphetamines. So let's roll. Unless you're busy. Are you busy? I busy in this shithole. I'm your guy. Where are we flying? Finally, something's happening. I can't talk about it till we're off station. The walls have ears, don't you know? Klaus has gotten up and is following Hobbs around at this point. Imagine if you were a listener, a guy who is like six foot two, lean, wearing a bomber jacket with a deputy badge pinned to the front and combat, you know, like fatigues with combat boots. And then Klaus, as described to you, is following him and is just smiling at everyone and nodding and knows everyone's name. I'm everyone's friend. Everybody's friend. But also I need to know what you're doing. Well, in that case, come along with us and we're gonna pick up Robertson and uh, go see what the heck's going on. I don't say curses anymore because of a previous incident where the company fined me for cursing while on duty. Robertson's coming too? That's first preference, but, you know, we'll see what we can get. Oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to throw on my, my aviators and walk with a bit more pep in my step. Good choice, Hobbs. Good choice. Excellent. Excellent. Definitely one of the better pilots. As I said, he does not abuse methamphetamines. Correct. 
You noticed that. I'm very pleased that you keep track of such things. It's literally my job. Plus, it's, it's literally my job. Well, yes, it's it's your job, but that doesn't mean... Uh, never mind. It's, it's okay, Hops. You're doing your best. Just keep walking, taking notes. So, Robertson, you have this sort of scene play out in front of you where you work over the electrical near the, ca- the cantina trying to find the issue. You resolve that you're going to have to just investigate it a little deeper at some point, but... It's, everything seems to be working at this at this point now. You get down out of the access panel and you turn and you sort of see three people walking towards you and you realize that they're walking together and that is not ideal. I bury my face in my paperwork and I start walking back towards the bar area trying to circumvent this cluster. Klaus just steps out neatly in front of you to intercept. He's very good at that. Very practiced, just sort of smooth sidestep. Jackie, just the person we wanted to see. What a pleasure. It's so great that we ran into you instead of having to go looking. This is just the universe is is bringing us all together. Isn't that delightful? Oh, what, did you visualize it? Well, yes, actually. And look. Hello, the three of you. Got a thing our station, need a posse, and I want a tech that won't get me killed. Okay. Uh, did you clear that with Sven? Comes from Sven. All right, then. Apparently, I've got to bring you back in one piece. Hi, Roberto. Jimenez is going to throw his arm around uh, Robertson. Odds of survival. I mean, with you as tech and me as pilot, I think we're golden, don't you? I mean, we'll get whatever we need to get fixed, and we'll get wherever we're going. Yeah, you're going to do great. You too, bud. It's in system. It's it's not bad. It's not that fire. Then why aren't you telling us what's wrong? Why are you waiting till we're somewhere private? Because it's kind of important. And the walls have ears. It's like a field of corn. So we'll just go down to the bison. Everybody catch your, catch your gear bags and I'll meet y'all there. Okay. Provided there are no objections, we'll advance the story to that position. We're going to make some assumptions. One, most of you will carry the gear that you would need on any sort of extra Roanoke space location, right? So the bison has gear-wise suits, etc. There's rations on board. There's enough drinkable water. People will have their tools with them within reason. Obviously, characters which who would normally carry firearms would have any sort of weapon access. So when you get to the bison, the airlock for the bison... You see something you did not expect at all. Actually, any of you didn't expect this. And that is the station manager, Sven, standing next to the airlock, like waiting. Sven, good to see you. Come to see us off. Real hands-on kind of guy. Appreciate it. You're doing great work. He gives you sort of a a look, but he stays relatively genial. Yeah, we don't get a whole lot of missions out through the bison, so I figured it'd be good to collect everybody and make sure that they have what they need before we go. He hands Hobbs a card container. Probably contains a data chip or something like that. Some sort of mission readout. Yeah, he just accepts it and just gives it out. I trust that the deputy here has kept a tight lid on things. But has me concerned, sir. I know. You've got good reason to be concerned. But I'm going to clear the air here now that we're all together. 
About six months ago, a ship came through Roanoke. Some of you will probably remember Midas. It's a four-person crew. They were out doing scientific excavations and surveys. We got a notice by signal about an hour ago that their disaster beacon was going off. The big concern, of course, is that the ship is not only company property, but we need to make sure that we can respond to it promptly because we're the only ship available to do so. Comms are clear, but um, we haven't gotten any response from them. So it's possible that maybe somebody passed out, but they managed to fire off the disaster beacon before that happened. The Midas had four people, right? The Captain Goolsby, a geologist named Dr. Askew, uh, a medic and electronics technician. What I can bring up and share with you is that they're a mineral survey ship with equipment necessary to mine samples from planets, moons, or even asteroids. They stopped here, as I mentioned, about six months ago. They went to the Seeing Song store and purchased a, a working Joe. They were looking for some extra muscle. Rock is pretty heavy. From what we can see in ops, the transponder is working fine. Their comms appear to be working fine. The ship is about 0.1 parsecs away. So the journey's not going to take more than a day each way. He uh, reaches down and hits the button for the airlock and it begins sort of unconnecting and, and that portal opens to the bison. And this smell from the bison comes into this space. It smells like a ship that probably hasn't been used in, you know, four or five months. And so you get a, just sort of a different air quality there. We get hazard pay for this. Hazard pay. Everybody wants hazard pay. Yeah, sure. Sure. All right, then. Here we go. One step closer to retirement. Can't believe you're thinking about retirement when you have so much good work ahead of you, Jackie. Klaus is wearing a flight suit, but it has been immaculately tailored because he cannot stand baggy clothes. And he just walks in after Jackie in his very neatly tailored suit. Uh, for you, uh, Jimenez, this the Bison is a ship that you've flown before. You're pretty comfortable with her. A bit boxy around the edges, and uh, the engines probably could, again, use an overhaul. But it's better than sitting on this fucking rock and doing nothing. Absolutely. As we pass through the threshold, I will ostentatiously throw my arms out and say, Well, everyone, welcome to the Tub Goat. Everyone has an enjoyable flight. Let's get things going. I'm gonna try to wrinkle Wagner's Klaus Wagner's uh, a flight sheet a bit as I clasp the arm. I, that's a good question, Klaus. Your right shoulder gets ruffled a little bit, and you probably just you know sort of consciously or subconsciously try to mentally even out the shoulders now because they're off. No, very uh, obviously doing it with a slight spasm of pain on his face. You board the Bison. Uh, it gets closed off to Roanoke Station. And after some relatively reasonable movements from our pilot, you get decoupled from Roanoke Station and you are floating in space now. Thus ends the prologue. All right. Uh, so I think we should start off with Act 1 as a piloting role. I just want to see how, how we do getting towards the Midas. Understood. A single success, yeah. You, you pilot away from Roanoke Station, laying a course based off of what Sven uh, gave you. 
you would notice, Jimenez, that Hobbs would be probably likely on that cockpit area as well, probably feeding the computer information. Very important question, Mike. Yes. Do we have a ship's cat? Um, I mean, you haven't seen one. Klaus is probably looking for one. Yeah, Hobbs is absolutely on the bridge and he is uh, reviewing whatever was on the card that he was given. Or do I have to go to the mother room? I don't know that the bison has one specific. It's too, it might be too small of a ship to support a mother. Um, but the information therein, Hobbs, gives you the basic breakdown of a lot of what Sven told you. It does also give you the um, location data and then the best approach for well, how to dock with the Midas, which the bison will have to do to transfer you over. Yeah, I'm just going to relay that to Jimenez. He's just going to say, these are the coordinates. Ship says, uh, best approach is this, but I trust your judgment. Are you going to let us know what we're, what we're doing out here now, though? Oh, yeah. No, no, it's, it's literally what Sven told us. It, it's going to, going to check out the, the ship, the Midas. That's it? That's it. Sorry, kid. You made this sound so secret and like so high speed. It's a company ghost ship. He, he counts off on his fingers. We can't have it getting out that there was a distress signal from a company ship and that there may not be any survivors. That just, it really doesn't inspire confidence and confidence is really what we need. So I can't even tell you more about this. You can if you anonymize the information. And, and we just can't have that because then it's lawsuits and additional paperwork and it just costs a lot of money, Jimenez. I hate everything about what you just said. Yes, so do I. Lawsuits, loss of money, paperwork, lawyers. The only thing even corpos hate. <laughs> just relax, kid. I'll be fine. Maybe you can do some fancy flying around the, sh- the Midas. Yeah, we'll go ahead and do some fancy flying around the, the dead ship. Yep, the completely silent dead ship. Not like the space station was any different. Sure, why not? I'll know. I'll know that you were awesome. I'm going to put it to you this way. How many pilots get to say they went and investigated a creepy ghost ship? I don't believe in ghost, Hobbs. No, but that's a that's a that's a term. That that's a technical term. Jimenez, technical term. The, the ship's not a ghost. The ship is quite real. <laughs> I appreciate what you're trying to do. It's just not It's fine. It's fine. This is fine. I mean, sure, it could be something boring, like, you know, a failed air purifier, which meant that they all died of CO2 poisoning. Or, or, it could be mysterious space mushrooms. But we did confirm that they are all, are they dead? Or is it? Well, none of them are answering comms, so there's that. First off, Hobbs, I've told you this, the mysterious space mushrooms are just a rumor that never actually happened. Officially, there is no documentation. It's just a rumor, remember? Second off, there could be many reasons why they're not answering comms. Maybe there is a bug and it just looks like it's uh, properly functioning or anything of that sort. Besides, there should be a Joe on board and we should be able to find out pretty quickly what happened. They're pretty reliable. We make the best Joes at Seekson. Yeah, I love the Joes. Oh, alternate possibility. The Joe went crazy and killed somebody. That would be fun. You know, I've seen that more than you'd want to. Seeks and Joes never 
go crazy. They are not capable of going crazy. No, they're capable of going crazy. When malfunctions occur with the Joe, it's because the humans that are operating them are not following proper seeks and protocols. If you just follow the manuals, you'll be fine. We do not make defective product here at Seeks and Corp. So speaking of this, of piloting that is, of course, I'd like uh, Jimenez to give us a piloting role, a simple piloting role, uh, on his approach. Um, this is probably something that Robertson would also know. They're likely going to have to do the um, connection, the uh, umbilical connection to the Midas. So they'll also know that uh, Jimenez will have to get them in the right location. Hey. Okay, so you have a material success that's really important given what else you rolled. So you are able to match course and speed. For those of you around Jimenez, he does not look panicked, but you certainly feel a few more dips and raises than you were prepared for. Uh, Hobbs, you have to hold on to the seat and then the handle that's here to the side that is sort of like the old shit handle here in the cockpit. You end up having to grab it and your knuckles get a little wider than you were hoping for. But he eventually aligns with the Midas. I pat Jimenez on the shoulder. Good work. Good work. Um, maybe a little more practice on the way back. But, you know, that that wasn't too bad. What do you mean? That was great fancy flying. Awesome job. So that was intentional. Absolutely. With company property. Yeah. Klaus is noting undue risk taking in his notes. What, what are you writing down? What is that? Well, nothing. Nothing at all. I'm going to HR after this. I can guarantee it. Puts the notebook back in his perfectly tailored flight suit. Can I borrow your pen real quick? No. Company property. Can't let it out of my sight. All right. So I'd like our roughneck to give us a heavy machinery roll to connect the two ships. Three successes. Oh, yeah. So this is like, you know... This is super smooth and super easy. The connection is as if it was meant to be. The two portions of that umbilical airlock connect. Robinson locks them down and then pressurizes. And within a couple of minutes, you know, you're going to be good to go. Alrighty. So connecting to the Midas is very smooth. Walking along that sort of space umbilical is always a little bit anxiety increasing no matter how many times you do it you're always thinking about just on the other side of this there's the inky blackness of space that no living thing can exist in and that does up the blood pressure a little bit not stress inducing in this case because so far everything's been nice and smooth the Midas is an older small M-class vessel doesn't have all of the same facilities you can tell by just its shape and size. It's just not as large as the bison. From the outside, it seems the ship has full power, though. So that is a huge benefit. You're not walking into a potentially dead vessel. While you're in the umbilical, I have an idea for Klaus. Who is currently just picturing Heidi's face out in the dead emptiness of space and enjoying it very much. Why don't you give me a wits observation roll, Klaus? Ooh, okay. Three successes. You hear something as you're getting into the umbilical. You hear something from inside the bison. 
it's a, a shift, a sound, a different noise. It's clearly something behind you. Stop and turn to look back. Maybe it's just settling into the umbilical or something. Uh, not with three successes. Um, with three successes, I, I'm going to presuppose a little bit here, and correct me if I'm wrong. Klaus is probably not necessarily first, but not necessarily last to come over. Second to last. Right. Jimenez, are you going to be last off the bison then? Yeah, I gotta make sure that uh, everyone gets off safely. There's still a little bit of academy training, I guess. Yeah, so uh, you, Klaus, you recognize the um, form because you work with them on a regular basis of Grace McGafferty. Sort of slink out from one of the, we'll say, storage compartments on the bison. That bitch. She straightens her uniform a little bit, steps over towards the umbilical. We got company. Well, someone has to make sure that things go okay here. Pleasure as always, Grace, to see you. Although I don't think you were actually invited along on this mission. What a what a coincidence that you're here in space with us. At this point, Jimenez, you, you turn around and see someone who's really easy on the eyes for you. And that's Grace. Shared drinks and talked about some of the stuff that Hyperdyne has going on, the company that she works for. And uh, you find that a little strange that somehow she found her way on the bison without anybody knowing. But here she is. Grace, pleasure to see you. Hey, Rob. She shortens your name with an affectionate tone. Hi, how... uh, Sorry, I just weren't expecting this was to be a dull mission, honestly. And to find you here is a little bit... It makes things a little more exciting. Well, good. I'm sure that we'll find something interesting on board and uh, what is hyperdyne doing on uh, a mission for seeks and property grace oh you didn't think the crew of the bison just worked for you slow blink they're available to take contracts from all sorts of people still not your property grace Ooh, we've got some poaching happening so and jackie sort of walks backwards through the rest of the umbilical points at Grace and Roberto and says if you guys go off to find somewhere a little private, have fun I got work to do like points her thumbs over her shoulders points at class and says don't kill anybody I have never killed in my life, Jackie anyone ever Hobbs has stuck his head back in after hearing the commotion and he's just like "Uh, Grace uh, pleasure to see you Hmm. Deputy. Grace, did you spend 12 plus hours in one of the closets of this this damn bucket? Oh, no, no, no. Multiple closets. Okay. I'm perfectly happy to be out of the closet now. Thank you. Aren't we all? Yeah, it makes life a bit better for everybody to be out of the closet. All right. Well, you know, don't go causing trouble. Wouldn't think of it. You're in charge, deputy. Lead on. I hate that they put me in fucking charge of this shit. But you know what? It's a chance. I mean, personally, I love it. Go on. He's just like, right. Well, go on, Robertson. Let's let's crack open that door. So let's decide protocol. Is protocol that we wear hard suits while boarding an unknown ship whose lights are on, but we don't know about anything else? 
I think it's probably reasonable to assume that you might go in with helmets on just because you don't know what the environmental variables are on that. I'm like, well, until at least until we find the crew, then we'll know what's up. I don't want to color perceptions or decisions. You, you do you. We've all seen contamination, so we're going to wear our spacesuits going into the mystery ghost spaceship. I mean, yeah, um, you're the one that brought up space fungus, so... Which is not actually real. It, it's a rumor. A malicious, malicious rumor. How many fringe planets have you worked on, Klaus? How many vents have you crawled through and found something moving that really shouldn't be moving? Like rats, have you ever seen a mutated rat? Yes, her name is Heidi. Harsh, harsh. I'm going to put my suit on. So the airlock's connected, and and as you move further back towards uh, the Midas, Hobbs, you you notice that the internal airlock here on the Midas is opening. Oh, fuck. He's just going to run down and, like, slam door close on on the bison end. Over the radio, he'll explain, Midas's door is opening. I'm just going to real quick seal the airlock. Okay. You seal it up. Um, the Midas door fully opens. You can see through a couple of the very small available windows here, these little ports on the Bison. You can see into on uh, a vehicle bay. The room is really big. It spans the width of the ship. Looks like there are access doors on either side to load and unload vehicle. Uh, Hobbs, you'd see an eight-wheeled tractor in here, equipped with uh, a towing for a large drilling rig, which appears on its trailer. There's also a two-person gyro car. Door on the left. Not sure where it goes, but there's one on the left there. And then there are two doors on the right side wall. They go somewhere as well. Unknown where they go. And then there's a small elevator door in here. All right, I'm going to come aboard and close the door behind me. Okay, so are you purposefully not letting other people in with you? Oh, I was. I had just like, since I had closed our end of the umbilical when this thing opened, I was thinking maybe I had been stuck in the umbilical on my own, but there's other people in the umbilical. <laughs> in that case, we're all coming. I'm like, all right, come on in, come on. I thought you were going to leave me behind, buddy. No, he thinks we're space vampires and we have to be invited in. Oh, I, I saw those paperbacks under your bed. Heath just saunters in. Y'all got something to talk about there? I'm just going to be over that way. You are in a um, this sort of main space. The airlock opens and you're in that big vehicle bay. Uh, again, there are a couple of doors here that lead out of this room. It looks like there's an elevator. It looks like there's two doors on one part of the room and then there's one to the right. It does look a little dirty here in the vehicle bay. There's like granules of rock and whatnot around the drill piece. Uh, The drilling implement looks like it hasn't been cleaned, Robertson, which is a little strange. Normally they're cleaned before they're stowed. So you're sort of a little concerned about what the crew was up to? Yeah. I'm gonna clamber up and take a look at that. I'm going to want to clean it. Maybe I almost compulsively start doing so, but I at least want to take a look at the settings to make sure that it was at least shut off correctly. So you go towards the drill and reasonably so begin inspecting the piece visually. 
from where the drill is, you get a better look now at the airlock that it's nearby. Or I should say the door that is nearby. It's not an airlock. Internal door that is nearby. Again, the lighting in this room, not the best. At least not yet. It looks like while the ship has power, this space is about at a third or half light. Nearby that drill, there is a door that and in really, really big spray painted black lettering, it says, don't open Joe inside. Hey, guys, looks like I was right. That work and Joe went crazy. Oh, I'm sorry. User error. User error occurred. User errors account for 98% of all Joe malfunctions. What about the other 2%? Atmospheric conditions. Grace comes up behind you, deputy, and in a voice that is honey sweet, she says, not the sort of stuff that Hyperdyne does. This is clearly a Siegsong problem. Oh, you know, Siegsong, just moisture issues, you know. Always wet, Jackie says as she sort of comes up behind and goes back over to look at the door. Says, I wasn't meant to be awkward at all, by the way. I, I appreciate you being comfortable enough to start making jokes, Jackie. That's that's progress in our relationship, Klaus says as he's examining the door. Klaus, don't go opening that door. I'm still in charge here. Go, don't go opening that door. It's got a Joe inside and folks don't lock him up unless they go crazy. User error. And there don't appear to be any users, he says, looking around. That may be part of the issue. Okay, so what are folks doing? I am going to make my way to the bridge. Okay. Make your way to the bridge. Now, to get to the bridge, you're likely thinking that there is a door that should be, roughly speaking, it should be the other one here, you would think. Down from the storage shore, that's marked. That, that's likely the way towards the bridge. Probably also the sleeping spaces. Yeah, you know, I've been on enough ships that I'm like, yeah, it's probably this one. Okay. Yeah, so there's there's no lock on it or, or mechanic role required to open it. The door from the vehicle bay opens to a, a wide hallway with three doors on either side. You're likely thinking you'd walk the length of the ship to get to where the bridge is. But you will pass several doors along the way. You know, because we didn't get any response to our hails or anything, I'm actually going to... Are these doors all closed? Uh, seemingly, yes. Yeah, I'm gonna... So, like, we're at the top of the corridor still. Yep. I will try the doors, see if I can, like, first knock on them, and then... This is Deputy Hobbs. I'm, I'm here from the station. Do you guys, uh... Any folks here? Anybody around? Call out and then open the... One of the doors to your right or to your left. These two appear empty. Looks like they're empty crew quarters. There's nothing inside of them. They they seemed even stripped of any sort of readiness to be a quarter. Yeah, a company's been stripping back crew on the expeditionary front. Had enough trouble with the guys that lose their jobs. Uh, you continue up to the next set? Yep. Okay. Right or left as you walk towards the bridge? I'll go with left first. Ooh, left. Um, so you open here and it looks like this is um, maybe a, a bedroom of somebody who's focused on the sciences. You see a lot of, um, well, uh, there's a plaque on the wall. You see uh, Dr. Askew's name 
Now you see a photo of a family. Looks like a family photo was taken. Maybe the doctor with uh, their parents. Um, but there's not much more than that. This room is definitely used, though. Hmm. Is the bed made? Uh, no. He's just like, any papers and stuff, he's just like, I, I don't know enough about science to get anything out of these. I might come back later if I'm stuck. So stepping over to the right-hand side, mm-hmm. this room has been tossed. You see a personal tablet on the bed, and it looks like it has some sort of no, fluid on it. It's a clear fluid. Clear fluid? No. Well, Joe's have milk. Yeah, I'm going to kind of like wipe it with the bed sheet. Yeah, I'm not touching that thing with my suit. and Gross. Okay, so you're inspecting some quarters. What's everybody else doing? I'm at the the door that says don't open and I'm going to tap on it to see if anything responds because if the Joe is in working order and not completely deactivated, he should respond. And well, that's company property. So if he's still in there, I need to get him out. You tap on the door and after probably 15 seconds or so, you hear a relatively monotone voice say, Hello? Joe, state your ID number. 620. Who is this? Klaus Wagner from Siegson. Oh. State your purpose. I'm a working Joe assigned to the Midas to assist with uh, sample recoveries, soil and rock. Why is the Midas currently deactivated? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what happened. Hmm. Why are you in confinement, Joe? The crew, they were afraid. Afraid of what? They said something was on the ship. Did you see anything? Report any abnormality. I... I believe I am damaged. Damaged? Please clarify. I'm having a difficult time remembering why I am here. Klaus Mutter sounds like user error to me. And uh, he says, deactivate temporarily. We will assess your situation when we can get to you. Conserve power. Affirmative. You turn around and Grace is standing there sort of with her arms folded. Klaus is tapping his pen on his nose. Hmm... Another corporate mistake. Yes, you are. Thank you for noticing. Something on the ship, apparently. Perhaps something in the minerals. Air contamination. Fascinating. She makes a note on her pad. What are you really doing here, Grace? I'm making sure that our investment stays intact. Just like you. Your investment. And what would that be exactly? Well, Hyperdyne's investment. And that is none of your business. Oh, well, considering you're on Seekson property at the moment, which is not licensed out to your company, it seems to be very much my business, Grace. Hmm. I'm sure you can take it up with Sven. Hmm. Oh, did Sven send you? Interesting. Jimenez Robertson, what are you up to? Just tailing Robertson, seeing... The lay of the land. Robertson 
is probably looking for... I'm torn between looking direct, just going right for the engine room or going towards the sort of main hub of the ship to see if there's records or logs that can help me figure out where to start. Yeah, um, so you'd know as a roughneck, given your rough sort of layout of every ship, there's going to be a couple places where information is going to be key, right? One will be either the bridge. That's where all of the likely most of the technical data will be stored at. Or um, the elevator there that is in this room goes to an upper deck and that could have a science pod on it. That could have a mechanics bay. That could have any sort of additional technical resource that the ship might use. And so you probably have to look around a little bit more than just the vehicle bay. All right, let's start with the bridge. And if I have to go past Hobbs to do that, that's fine. I let him do the security thing. Good on him for doing that. And I go to do my job. Certainly. So walking past where Hobbs is investigating one of these rooms, you pass a door on your left before you get to the bridge. This door is off its track in a bad way. It's okay. It's like it was forced open. It's like something pulled it apart. Um, And you can see just through the lighting in the hallway that it looks like this room is an utter wreck. Hobbs, have you looked at this one yet? No, I haven't gotten to it. What's up? Oh, looks like someone forced their way in. Doors ruined. He kind of pauses and he's like, do you mean a pneumatic void proof door is ruined? Yep. Oh, Christ. Like someone's crew quarters. Uh, So I will let you deal with that. And I'm going to deal with the other thing. Holler if you need us. You want to keep a menace? Which one do, kid? You want to stay with me? Or you want to go check out the bridge? I'm currently tossing rooms. I'm... My job was basically done. So I'm, I'm available for support wherever. In the suit, you can't see his shoulders going, but you do hear the dry chuckle over the radio, just like, <laughs> him and as your job's not done until I'm back on the station. Well, yeah, but it's on. We'll, we'll, we'll say I'm on extended lunch break right now. So anywhere I can be help. I mean, look for learning new things. Look, you got the, you're better with the ship systems than I am. If I'm honest with you, I don't know how to access most of the... I don't know how the file structures work. You might be best served on the bridge having a look there. Aye, aye, Captain. Okay. Uh, Jimenez with me, Hobbs, scream, because we will hear you in here. And moves on. Okay. Uh, You continue to move up towards the bridge. Um, So the two of you pass into the galley. So the galley here has been uh, the site of something. Food fight really isn't even the word for it. There's trays overturned. There's desiccated food strewn about. Uh, there's a styrofoam cup, leaning, you know, sort of leaning on its side off the table. This clear evidence of a struggle. Uh, there's a ladder in this room that leads up, and then the door across the room there says bridge. Hobbs, she says overcomes. When you're done with that, um, there was something in the galley area. Definitely 
a physical struggle of some sort? Maybe why our Joe got locked up? You know, I feel like uh, I'm just going to come check on that. I think the rooms aren't going anywhere. You're not going to go in the scary room first. You're going to you're going to come in here where we've already been. He's kind of like, well, for one thing, you've just described something happened that wasn't actually particularly helpful. Two, you might still die before I get there. It's true. I am a damsel, but I'm not yet in distress. Come on, Robertson, I need you to hold together. You're the you're the heart of this crew. Oh, no. Oh, no. Come quickly. It's funny because Robertson can actually kick my ass. <laughs> you bet. Um, so are you going to pass by the room with the door off its track then, Hobbs? Is there anything I can do to kind of get in there? I mean, if it's off the track. You could certainly try, deputy. I can give you a strength roll. Not necessary. Just the means and the desire to do so is enough. Oh, means and desire. I got plenty of those. I got this death wish of mine. Got a friend guy called Bronson. Indeed you do. Uh, So for environmental note for Klaus, uh, Grace goes down the elevator in the vehicle bay, disappears from view. Well, I'm going to follow her. Okay. Can't leave them wandering around company property. That's just asking for intellectual property theft or material property theft, knowing Grace. Yeah, certainly. And it wouldn't be because Klaus has been left alone. No, definitely not. It's not, not like he doesn't like being alone in dark places at all. Certainly not. Uh, so, Hobbs, you get into these quarters, the, the door that's completely off its track. The room is an utter wreck. A major struggle happened here. The table's been overturned. A chair has been tossed. It looks like someone punched a hole in the bed. But the saving grace in this room is that there is a computer terminal in here. God, I hate these things. All right. <laughs> he's going to, like, awkwardly kind of stand in front of it in the bulky suit. And he's just going to, like... These gloves are... Oh, well, it's an 80s keyboard. It's it's fine. I can still type on it. So he starts punching glyphs and picks. Sure. It's a ComTech roll. One success. So it does look like Captain Goolsby has locked Mother down. So you don't get it unlocked, but you do get to all of the informational menus that shows that the Captain of the Midas has locked Mother out, so that way she can't be used. Yeah, I'm going to relay that to the rest of the crew. Just a uh, quick heads up, crew. Uh, previous captain of this fine vessel had locked out Mother access, so she's off the board. Might be able to restore it, but I, I'm i not going to be the one that knows how to do that. You just hear Klaus muttering over the comms, user error. So Robinson... Uh, and Jimenez, you guys get to the bridge. Uh, you open that door. You see a form of a a man, longer, blonde hair, flight suit, no helmet. And then he seems to be laying back in the chair. His eyes are closed. I walk over and like poke his, his face. Ooh. Ah. Ah. He shudders and jumps. Holy shit. He sits up in his chair and you see like his eyes are bloodshot. 
His cheeks are a little sunken in. Oh, wow. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, uh, uh, I don't know when I passed out. Hello, I am Jackie Robertson of the Roanoke that you guys went through a few months ago. Wow, I am really glad to see you. What happened? I... We had a serious, serious problem on this ship. They're going to call it user error, but that's a bunch of bullshit. They've got a problem with one of their machines. You look over at, at the panels on the bridge here, uh, Jackie, and you can see that they've been beaten on. It looks like someone tried to smash them with their hands. Is that why your working Joe is all locked up? Yeah. Needs to stay that way, too. Till we can figure out what the issue is. I don't have the kind of diagnostic equipment I probably need to get into his programming here, but gotta be real careful. And, uh, what's your name? Leslie. Leslie? Alright. Goes, switches on. Do we need to directly say our, our comms are on, or can everybody hear what I'm saying? No, people, people can hear what you say. Okay. You get that, Klaus? User error. Just disappearing after grace. Yeah, speaking of, uh, do me a favor, Klaus, and why don't you roll... Yeah, we'll say it's an agility roll. Agility and mobility seems reasonable for stealth. I don't know if stealth's been done any other way. So I've got three total in that. I still get one six. Six, five, and three. Okay. Uh, so you head down into what looks like a big cargo bay. Not the vehicle bay that you were in, but a big cargo bay. And there are no lights on down here. Um, when you step out of the elevator, a couple of lights sort of begin to raise. But they don't raise more than, say, 20 or 30%. And what you don't see is any sign of grace. Hmm. Interesting. Also, I don't like this. It's very quiet down here. <laughs> It is. I haven't been alone for three months. Mm -mm. So what are you doing? Can I have a look around? See if I can figure out where she might have gone. I assume there's a headlight or something with my helmet that I can use to... Yeah, there's an awful lot of um, cargo space. It's possible these are just motion lights here on this space. And maybe she got down here and made a move deeper, more towards the front end of the ship. So I will do some exploring then. Keep an eye out for her movements. Make sure she didn't sneak anything. But also make sure there's nothing down here that could be a problem. Mm -hmm. Too many shadows. There are an awful lot of shadows, but there are also a lot of containers. So there are things down here in the sense that there are, looks like rows and rows of geological sample data from multiple different planets. This is important cargo. This is likely most of what your company would have paid them to do. And so these are assets. It means that the Midas has to come back to Roanoke. And I'm going to then go into work mode and that will help distract from the dark and the alone. But also it's if the mother is shut down, I have no way of knowing if they properly cataloged everything and I need to make sure that what is here gets back and doesn't disappear. <clears throat> Grace. So I'm going to start cataloging things. Okay. 
you begin cataloging things. Are you working your way just from the front to the back where the elevator is? Or are you going starting here and working towards the front and then coming back? Starting here and working towards the front is the most efficient way because then I can walk back towards the elevator and also see if I missed anything at the same time. Yeah, so the Midas will say is probably, I'm just going to throw this number out there. It may or may not be right. We'll say that it's about 100 meters or so long, give or take. And so you get into work mode and it does help center your mind and sort of give yourself something to focus on. You get about halfway through this portion when I'm going to have you make a wits observation roll for me. Okay. Only one success. Okay. One's enough. Um, You hear what sounds like a cat meowing in the distance. I'm going to go find the cat. You go and find the cat. You pay very close attention uh, to the sound of where this cat might be coming from. And eventually you locate a tuxedo black cat on one of the container pods looking down on you. And it seems to be just giving a very simple look over, (laughs) looking you over and seeing your suit and seems to be staring and eventually meows at you. I'm going to do the pss, 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 and try to get it to come over to me because Klaus loves cats. You sort of do that through the helmet and then think, I wonder if the cat can hear me. Yeah, he, he doesn't think about that until he's already done it. And then he he tries to do the uh, crouching, crouching down to look like less of a threat sort of thing and try to gesture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you end up coaxing the, the cat down off of the container and eventually closer towards you where you could pick the cat up if you wanted to. I do want to pick it up. I want to pick up the cat, Mike. You pick up the cat. When you pick up the cat, you hear a sound at the other end, the end you came from, and it's the sound of the elevator actuating up. Maybe there's crew here after all, other than... Because we did hear Jackie talking over the comms, right? So we know there's someone here. Does the cat have a collar with like a name? Nope. No collar just going to say good kitty and carry the kitty over to the elevator. (laughs) You begin the more like 50 or so meter walk back towards the elevator. Hobbs, you have a live one in the cockpit, it seems. Ah, Christ. All right. uh, I'm going to leave the captain's computer. Uh, Maybe I'll get him and his to go through it later. See if I can find some dirt, find some explanations to what the hell's going on. I still got that tablet on me, if nothing else. I haven't read it yet, but I've got it. I'm going to make my way up. I'm just going to radio head. Just Robertson, I'm on my way up. What condition is this guy in? He's alive. You can ask him yourself in a couple minutes. I'm not a doctor. Ask him, does the ship have a doctor? You know, if your doctor's still alive, you're medic. Leslie looks down a little bit at the floor. Yeah, and un- unfortunately not. Uh, I'm the last one here, as far as I know. You haven't been real clear about, like, what exactly happened? You just keep saying like malfunctions and like it's not user error. You look like shit, by the way. I just I've been really holding it in, and I feel like you really should exposit more. Like, why do you look like shit? What happened on the ship? I don't have any cool aviator sunglasses to hang around my head, but I'll put it to you like this: We were out in the middle of nowhere, and our working Joe malfunctioned. The rest of my crew is up in cryo. One of them is missing their head. And the insinuation is that the Joe did this? 
insinuation. Listen, I'm not here to accuse anybody of anything. I'm just trying to get facts at this point. Again, you look like shit. That's when the suited form of Hobbs makes it onto the bridge. Uh, Leslie, this is our uh, our deputy, currently in charge. And um, Menaz, that the from what I've seen, generally the working Joe is more likely to do stuff like this than someone going crazy from looking out into the black of the abyss of space. Yeah, listen, I I don't know what happened uh, to that Joe, but it, it went berserk. And then all of a sudden it would be calm again. And then it hunted me through this ship. And so I managed to uh, land a couple of reasonable hits on the thing with some of the mining equipment. And I must have jarred some of its circuitry, I don't know. While it was passed out, I uh, did whatever I could to pull it into that cargo storage we have, and then I locked the door. And I came up here, and I found that it smashed half of the cockpit. I would barely was able to get the emergency distress beacon off. And then I've been holed up here. He sort of waves his hands around the cockpit, the floor of it, and you're finally noticing that, like, there are rations in here and, like, tankards of water and stuff like that. And then there's, like, another tankard in here, and you don't want to know what's in that. It's been pretty clear that he's made the cockpit sort of like his de facto home. And he looks really rough. And so he turns to Jimenez and says, Yeah, I look like shit, but I'm alive. And you did great. On a more practical note, I need a report on your ship systems. What's, uh, what's working, what's not. We're going to need a tow. I can tell you that. The He sort of, again, waves his hands to the cockpit controls. I would have piloted our back if any of it had worked. I'm lucky there's nothing out in front of us that ram into. The rest of your systems, uh, life support, etc., all fine? They all seem to be functioning. All right, folks, we're safe to take suits off. And he just cracks the visor. And then he gets the whiff of the cockpit. And he's just like, oh. Yeah, this is probably not one of the, a top 10 smell for you. It is not. I've been in a drunk tank. Jesus. Oh. Um, Klaus, you come up from the cargo area in the, the hold of the ship. And you see something that is a little shocking. In fact, it's a little stress inducing, actually. So you're going to take a point of stress for seeing this. Okay. The door, the cargo bay door that was once closed is now open. And Grace is having a conversation face to face with a working Joe. This working Joe's hands and feet, like the boots that it wears, are covered in blood. And as the elevator door opens, she sort of turns around to you. And then turns back to the Joe and says, and, um, how long have you been working for Siegsong? And the Joe says, oh, just a few months since commissioning. Well, hi, Klaus. Grace, Joe, operating number? 620, as reported before. So how did you get out, Grace? Oh, Grace sort of genuflects a little bit covers her chest. Well, it seemed terrible just to lock him in there. Hardly your call, Grace. Petting the cat as I'm talking and looking at the Joe. 
Um, but yeah, you do take a point of stress for seeing such a sight. The working Joe has not left uh, the sort of threshold, although it is standing now in the the cargo bay door area so that you couldn't actually shut the door without shutting it on him. So uh, what's Hyperdyne's interest here, Grace? Bit of sabotage? Checking in on the results of your labors? Hmm? Again, I'm certain that Sven can clue you in should he so choose. Convenient. Considering he's not here. Hmm. Isn't it? Hmm. Joe, state the nature of your malfunction. He looks at you and turns, and when he opens his mouth, an audible, high-pitched sound comes out. It is not intelligible, other than to say that it sounds like the best thing to acute to for everybody in the ship, because everyone will hear it, is about a 60 to 90 decibel fire alarm. It's like a klaxon sound he makes. And then you watch him sort of twitch and twitch. And you watch his fingers, which are covered in blood, also twitch. Well, at this point, Klaus is, one, still in his suit, and two, kind of convinced that Hyperdyne has caused some sabotage to the working Joes, and that's why Grace is here. So he totally thinks this is all Grace's fault and she's doing something. Uh, this is a sound that the rest of the crew, or the rest of the crew of the well, the bison would hear throughout the ship. Robertson immediately goes and closes the doors to the cockpit that we're in, turns around and says... I vote that we consider Klaus dead and figure out what to do next. You know, I can hear you. That's not very, that's not very friendly, Robertson. Really, I thought we had a rapport going over the sound of the, the screaming. For the record, we didn't touch anything. No, I think Grace did. Hyperdyne. Can't trust him. Always easier to blame the external source than the internal problem. She points her pen at you. Look, Grace, you showed up on my company's property without permission from the company, and you are very reticent to tell us what's actually going on and why you're here, so naturally I can only assume that you are part of my problem. Still petting the cat. If only I cared. She heads back up towards the cockpit. You guys are doing great. You guys are both pretty. I just need can we can we turn the alarm off? Is it is it is it is it an actual alarm or did we trigger something? For you, Klaus, the working Joe shuts his their their mouth and suddenly the alarm stops. That was very enlightening. Thank you, Joe six two oh. Does the Joe respond? It does not. So is it just kind of almost like in shutdown mode standing there or yeah, it seems to be still, its eyes are open. It's still looking around. You can see that there is a, a discoloration on the back of its neck. It looks like there's a gash back here. And there is, as you get a better look at Joe 620, there is a stream of sort of this milky white fluid that runs down the back of its neck and uh, the suit that it's in. So the malfunction is obviously because it's been damaged. User error. Uh, that That's what Klaus is thinking. So... Robertson, there's been actual damage to this Joe unit, which I suspect is the source of the malfunction. I am looking at an actual injury. It's not a person. It can't be injured. Oh, come on, Robertson. Have a little human kindness. Huh. Well, Leslie, did you give the Joe a good 50 wax or anything like that? 50? I got two in before the thing tried to saw me in half. 
I'm really, really lucky that I was able to put the thing down temporarily because it clearly it's just temporary. So that piece of equipment, that malfunction, why don't you tell whoever it is that's here from Seedsong the thing to shut the thing down now. Klaus, can you um, put it in hibernate or shut it down currently? Or I'm not that kind of tech. Is there a mechanism or something that I would know, Mother? Well, yeah, I would say that um, you would likely know a sort of a hibernation command, provided you could get the Joe to respond to you. Um, you could probably get it to hibernate. Okay. Joe 620, respond. It opens its eyes again, almost mechanically smooth as it looks over at you. 620 reporting. I'll give it the hibernate command, which I assume is a string of numbers and letters that nobody else can use. Right. Um, you have to give it the command and then give it basically a, a Siegsong access code, which after you do, it stands sort of oddly at attention and just sort of slumps a little bit afterwards. Joe 620 has been deactivated, having a nice long nap. So I'll be right up. Leslie, what's your cat's name, by the way? Cat? No, there's a cat down here. Not my cat. Oh, well, I guess he's mine now. Any of your other crew members have a cat? Uh, I think, if memory serves correctly, he sort of looks up. We were on a planet and with a couple other crews that were working back and forth on some mineral deposits, and I think, I think one of them might have bartered for a cat. It gets real lonely up here, and the cat is entertainment at best. It's not mine, but maybe Dr. Excuse? Well, I'm sure that company per company policy, Klaus will see that the animal is taken care of and given a good home and given a proper medical checkup. Right, Klaus? Oh, yes. Uh, seeing as this is an orphaned feline aboard company ship, it seems like he's now a company cat. Well, listen, do whatever you want with the cat. Leslie turns to you, Hobbs, and says, Can we get back to Roanoke? Someplace, anywhere but here? I'll take you back and... Should have little to no issue. We'll just have to quarantine the ship for a little while, I think. But I mean, you'll be back at the station. Okay, I hope you got a strong stomach, Deputy. I seen things you wouldn't believe, friend. You guys can stay here. I'll hop up. I he he just gestures towards the ladder, and he's like, "Up there." Yeah, up there. I'll go with you. Sure. Amenas, keep an eye down here. See if you can access the ship systems. I uh, And he just stops as he's walking away and he's like, one more thing. Why is mother locked out? I did it as a preventative measure. We can unlock mother anytime you want. As long as that thing in back is shut down. Oh, he shut down. Uh, why don't we go have a chat with mother then? Klaus says over the comms. Sure. Hobbs is looking at him. He's like, as I said, he, he had the visor up. It's now down again. It actually went down almost instantly. And he's like, Christ, I can still smell it in the suit. The captain of the Midas put her in lockdown, right? Yep. At my recommendation. Oh, no, because you just said that you locked it down. Yeah, well, uh, a lot of things were happening all at the same time. What is your position on the ship, Leslie? I'm a ComTech specialist. 
Was that listed, um, uh, Mother, was that listed in the list that uh, Sven gave us when we left? Okay, I missed that then. Leslie is as a member of the crew. That's what's listed. Okay, want to make sure there wasn't an extra person. Nope, no extra person. It is just electronics technician is all Leslie is listed as. Got it, thank you. And I'm heading to the mother room while all of this is going on. Okay. Well, you, you have to head to like a, a bedroom, basically, where mother is. John, you're heading up to cryo? That's the plan, yeah. So we'll move camera up with Robertson and Hobbs to check out cryo. Uh, the cryo room really is only going to stand about three or four people. Inside the cryo room, there are three, well, there are four total tubes, three of which are used. It doesn't take you very long to get a good look at what's going on inside the cryo tank storage uh, and, and tubes here. There are three dead bodies inside these tubes. And so you're going to take a point of stress for each body that you see, and then we'll give you a little explanation therein. Captain Goolsby, it appears anyway, from the ligature marks around his neck, was strangled. And fairly effectively. She also has blood all around her neck that isn't hers. That is fairly evident, because there's no actual skin break around the neck. But there are basically trails of bloody fingerprints around her neck. Say as if she was strangled by someone with bloody hands. Yeah, perhaps. You see that there is the the body of Dr. Askew, and what you see from the body of Dr. Askew starts at sort of the stump of the doctor's neck as he's headless. And then the medical assistant that was aboard, which your logs deputy would list as someone called Stroud, his neck is broken. That is very clear. It slumps over at like a 45 degree angle and there's clear spine breakage and also a collection of bloody fingerprints around his neck. So yeah, you're both uh, up three stress for that. Why did you bother putting three dead bodies in cryo? Oh, you drug Leslie up here? Yeah. Um, Because I didn't know if they would be dead or not. I mean, where else am I going to put them? Headless! Yes, I realized that. I've got eyes. One of them has an obviously broken neck and the other one's clearly strangled. Her eyes are literally popping out of her head. You understand right now, you look like a psychopath. He looks completely lost for words. What are my other options? Put him out in space. Leave him in a locked room. Do you know the the amount of pay doc I take for not bringing back crew members? I understand now. All right, you're good. So the cryo tubes were the best place for them because they wouldn't decompose. Sure, sure. And you're telling us that the uh, the Joe did all this, yeah? Yeah. I mean, he puts his hands out, ungloved hands out towards you. There's no dirt or blood under my fingernails. Oh, no, of course not. There's one line that's been bouncing through Hobbs's head this whole time. And that is Grace saying, we've got people on the ship too. And he's just like, sure would be completely new if uh, a comm specialist that happened to be a Hyperdyne systems guy uploaded something into 
well, I don't know, the working Joe shut down mother so she couldn't uh, override the working Joe. And then, uh, you know, had the working Joe kill everyone else. That is a distinct possibility. It might be a compelling hypothesis, deputy. But where's your evidence? He's like, oh, yeah, that's the thing. So down in the room where mother is, Klaus, you're waiting, I guess, for someone to unlock mother. You're sitting in a room with a cat. Uh, The room has been torn apart. Uh, The bed has a hole punched in it. And then after a few minutes, after what goes on in cryo, Leslie comes back down and sort of pushes the door a little bit to the side and then steps in. He uh, walks up to Mother and taps on the console and then says, Mother, this is crew member Leslie Frazier. Unlock sequence Alpha 1-1, Omega 5. And you see like the entire console brighten the room all at once, like someone turned on a Christmas tree. She's all there. I can take it from here. Thank you, Leslie. Oh, you don't think I'm leaving this room, do you? Well, it would be in your best interest, Leslie. I don't think so. I'll take the pay doc as necessary. I'm not going to have you fabricate something while you're in here. Me? Fabricate something? Leslie, I'm hurt. I say petting the cat. You're also a company man, which means you're here to protect your bottom dollar. Well, aren't we all? You don't want anybody else to know that one of your Joes freaked out killed three people and had me listless in here for five months. Yes, well, trying to get to the bottom of all that happened, you know, Leslie, trying to figure out just exactly how that occurred. That's all. Sure. So we can get you back to Roanoke and have you shipshape in no time. Sounds perfectly fine. He uh, sits down on the bed next to the hole. This is my room after all, so go ahead. And Klaus will just turn to mother does uh, the mother system connect to security cameras that kind of thing if there are security cameras present yep would I know if there were security cameras on the ship it being a company ship Um, you'd know that likely the cargo bay has some at least a camera or two you would likely know that there is a camera in the cockpit And you'd likely know that the vehicle bay itself, because it goes in and out, would also have a camera. So I'll ask Leslie for the date when he says everything went wild. Mother, display video camera footage from X date. Yeah, you begin to wheel back in time through all of the camera logs. And there is a definitive issue as soon as you begin that process. Mother itself, the unit, begins to have issues. It's like watching um, a computer system search for files that aren't there. And it slowly begins to show you there's an enormous pattern gap in its memory bank. Being a company representative, it's probably something you've seen on reports before. What you're going to need is basically a more powerful computer to diagnose the information. You can make me a contact role, if you'd like, uh, to attempt to determine if... Uh, what what other information you might be able to find? Two successes on that. <laughs> but I rolled a one on my stress die. <laughs> so what does that do? Okay, so you rolled a one on your stress die. Basically what happens is it removes any 
successes that you may have gotten. And then you have to make a, basically a panic roll. And so you roll a D6 and you add your current stress level to it and you tell me what you get. Two. Okay. So six or less is that you keep it together. And basically what that means is that you're frustrated, stressed out, etc., about the current situation. And it could be from a myriad of reasons, but you don't do something that is bad for you or the rest of the crew at this point. I'll inject a little narrative for you and you can take it as you like it. And that is without a proper record, you can't corroborate that it's user error. And that is a huge problem for you. So do I think just based on my experience that it looks like pieces were removed or that mother is just not capable of processing certain sections? Does it look redacted or just a, a computer error, essentially? It looks like at this point to you, it looks like computer error. Okay. Um, it's possible that the Apollo system on Roanoke Station, given that it's more powerful than what's here in the Midas, would be able to do the trick. But you're going to have to talk to Sven about using utilizing a resource that is essentially a station resource, not a company resource. And that will mean some um, social finagling on your on your end. Well, we can cross that ship's bridge when we come to it. So I'll just look at Leslie and uh, why, why did you shut down the computer to begin with? Why did why did you turn mother off? Seems uh, a bit self-defeating, considering she could have potentially gotten you back to Roanoke. To be perfectly honest, I thought that Joe was fucking with it. What gives you that idea? What gives me that idea? This whole bullshit started with your Joe unit deciding it would be, I don't know, judge, jury, and executioner over what was going on. If the Joe was malfunctioning the way you describe it is highly unlikely that Joe 620 would have been able to access Mother properly, considering the Joe was unable to speak or give authorization codes. You know, the whole mess starts in the cockpit. It chased the captain out of the cockpit. Chased? Mm-hmm. Chased. You ever been chased by a synth? Can't say that I have. I don't recommend it. When Dr. Askew tried to get in the way and tried to stop Joe 620 from doing something terrible, it punched his head off. Can you recollect any potential triggering events? We were flying through space just fine. On to the next drop. No issue. The Joe had worked on two or three different planets. No issue. In fact, 620, before all this bullshit started, was a reasonable member of the crew. Took orders from the captain as necessary and myself and others. Was a top-of-the-line piece that we'd purchased from Siegsong at Roanoke Station. After that, something snapped. I don't know. What did you bring with you from the last planet you excavated before heading to the next drop? It's potential there was some kind of contaminant. Looking down at the cat, it's a highly unlikely that, that a cat. ship's cat could cause such a malfunction, but I'll keep that under advisement. Thank you. You want to see what that Joe did? Just like your friends, stop up to the cryo tubes. You get all the panoramic shot you need. I've got a general idea. I think I'm good, thanks. What's everybody else doing? I'd like to read the tablet that had the clear stuff on it. Certainly. So you go to check out the tablet, and to get into it, you'll need to make a comtech roll. That is comtech minus two. 
because the tablet is encrypted. Yeah, so I roll one normal die and three panic die because the two come from the normal dice pool and my panic dice remain the same. You bet you do. <laughs> two successes. I'm just like, ah, oh, don't worry, I've seen one of these before. Um, You get the tablet unlocked, but the files are unreadable. Oh, God damn it. Like visually, like the tablet itself is like you can't read them because there's a tablet problem. You're likely going to have to get it to a different computer. Like a Jimenez, just plug it in, let set it up so I can read the read the contents. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm just going to go across to him on the bridge and be like, Jimenez, I have a special job just for you. Only you can do this. I need you to hook this tablet up to a monitor so that I can read the contents and I think someone tried to wipe it or it's having a minor technical issue that I can't solve so you're the only person here I know can do this because the other person who's been on this bridge I don't entirely trust so I leave this to you and then we can read the files together if you like Kid, I know this isn't working out the way you hoped, except for maybe the three murders. Do you want to go see the dead bodies? They're pretty gross. One of them's got their head fucking ripped off by a Joe. Tell you that. You know, maybe. Sure. Yeah. And I'll, I'll begin the process of hooking up the tablet. So you know two things are true right off the bat, Jimenez, and that is you can be an all-star rock star at Comtech. Nothing here in the cockpit's going to display that information because half the electronics are smashed in here. You can probably plug it into the bison and get a read that way, um, but nothing here is going to be able to do the trick. We may have to head back to the bison, Hobbs. I don't know if you noticed, but everything's beat to shit here. He didn't look all there. He looked like shit. I feel like he looked like shit before all this. So I don't. I don't. I think he's messed some stuff up here. Look. I've seen his bedroom. I mean, his room was the one with the with the door pulled off, as far as I can tell. Yeah. So. So I can hook this up back at the bison if you'd like. Until we know what actually happened, I don't want to hook any electronics from this on our way home. I want to see if we can work out a tow and just drag the thing back. That's a good point. Even as you're going you're gonna to need to work out the tow stuff anyway. You're the only one here that knows anything about that sort of thing. I'm right here! <laughs> He's the only one that can fly a goddamn ship. <laughs> not, not technically true. Don't mess with your roughneck, by the way. If Robertson is going to work out the tow, that's a heavy machinery roll. And then for Jimenez to fly you back is another piloting roll. Of course, please take into account any stress you may be under. Are you sure you don't want to see a dead body? <laughs> Three successes. Oh, okay. So uh, that's two stunts. So let's see if there's any heavy machinery fun stunts that you can do. Plus one to a later roll. Don't need to roll again for this exact situation. You could do it in half the time. You could break it permanently, which is probably not ideal. But you could also show off. I mean, let's do it in half the time. Yeah, bingo, bingo. That's the way to do it. Um, so before most of the rest of the crew really comprehend that Robertson is going through the tow process, 
Jackie gets things linked up and is ready for people to move off the Midas and back onto the bison so that you can go home. It's, uh, it's pretty stunning, actually. Not that Klaus notices, because he's still busy poking around with Mother. <laughs> well, whatever Klaus does in his own time, as long as he doesn't break the law. So the crew is going to return to Roanoke Station. And that, to me, sounds like a perfect time to wrap this episode. So thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Old Ways Podcast as we play through Alien and a special little scenario called Rule of the Robots. More next time.